Revelation, you ready? All right, welcome to Connection Unplugged. So if you've got a worship folder, you can take that out and take notes in it and follow along. If you've got a Bible, go ahead and turn to Revelation, which is probably one of the easiest things I'll ever ask you to find in one of these. It's like Genesis. You go to page one and you're in Genesis, the first book of the Bible. Or Revelation, you just go to the last page and you're there. So come on, you can look like a rock star Bible scholar today. Look, I can find Revelation. So go ahead and turn there. You know, Revelation is easy to find. Not so easy to understand, right? Just a little show of hands here. How many of you have tried to read at least part of Revelation at some point? All right. Here's the honesty time. How many of you have been just a little bit confused with what you saw there? Anybody a little bit freaked out? <laughs> like, whoa, what was that? Me too. So we're on the same page here. One author described Revelation this way in the Bible. He said, just picture like the whole New Testament is like a, a street or a neighborhood. And as you start walking down the street, the first houses are like the Gospels. Everybody loves the Gospels. You've been there lots. There's kids playing in the yard. It's just a very fun place to be. We, we spend a lot of time reading the Gospels in the New Testament. You work your way a little further down the street, and you get to some more familiar houses. You've been here. You've been to Acts and Romans and all the other letters from Paul, and this is still familiar territory. But as you make your way further down the street, the houses are a little less familiar. Toward the end of the block, you've got like Philemon and 2nd and 3rd John and 1st, 2nd Peter, Jude. I know they're down there, but I've never spent any time down there. And then at the end of the cul-de-sac, with the grass overgrown and a for sale sign in the yard for years, is the haunted house known as Revelation. <laughs> and no one wants to go in there. Actually, that's not quite true. Some of you want to go into the haunted house. Some of you are a little too fascinated with the haunted house. As uh, Pastor Aaron Brockett says, some of you have read the Left Behind series more than you've read your Bible. And if you know what I'm talking about, you're probably one of those people who enjoys the haunted house of Revelation. Look, at whatever end of the spectrum you live on, whether you find Revelation to be intriguing yet spooky and you don't understand it, or if you've got a theory about every symbol and every creature in Revelation and you've got it mapped out and you've got your timeline or uh, if you're somewhere in between there, Revelation is in the Bible for us. God put it in here for a reason, and it's meant to be for our encouragement. So if you, if you walk away from Revelation and, and you say, I'm not sure I understand it or I'm a little freaked out by it, you just need to understand this. Revelation properly understood should leave us saying that was inspiring, not that was frightening. So hopefully as we spend some time studying through Revelation, you'll get that sense too because that's what we're going to do. For the rest of the summer, we're going to study Revelation. We're going to go through it on Sunday mornings. If you're in a life group that's meeting this summer, your life group has the opportunity to study this. If you're a life group leader, by the way, and you're here and you have not got material yet for your group, you can pick it up at the Connect table out in this hallway as you leave. If you're not in a life group but would love to be put into one, that Connect table is the same place you go. We'll help you get connected into a, a Bible study. Now, the other thing we're going to do is a couple of nights here in July, we're going to go over to the 5Z building, and we're going to have a night of singing and worship and study out of Revelation and food. So if you like at least one of those three, you should come. Uh, the next one, the first one is next Sunday night, and then there's one like a couple weeks after that. I, I, we actually have a couple of gifted teachers who will be doing the teaching on those times. It would be worth your while to come out for that. If your life group is meeting on Sunday nights, just hit pause and come to that or meet on Monday night or something. We'd like for everybody to be a part of that. So it's going to be good. Well, let's get into Revelation. We're going to look at the first eight verses that Robert read just a moment ago. And as we look at the first eight verses, what we find are, like, Revelation itself commends itself to us. 
there are some really compelling reasons why we should study this book as Christians or as people who are just interested in what God is saying to the world and what the end is going to look like. And so we're going to dig into this, and there's some great reasons to study Revelation. I want to go ahead and look at the first two verses again, even though Robert read them. Listen to what he says here. It says, this is the revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. That's worth underlining if you write in your Bible. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who testifies to everything he saw. That is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. One of the reasons we ought to study Revelation is because this is a direct message from Jesus to us. It's a direct message from Jesus to his church. We ought to pay attention to that. If Jesus is saying something, we ought to say, what, I- what message do you have for me? There's a lot that's been said in these little verses. I want you, first of all, if you've got your Bible still open, the, the first two words, what are they? The revelation. The revelation. Now, what does that mean? There are just a few times where, and I, I try to do this very sparingly, but there are times when it's good to just lift the hood on the Bible and look at the original language that it was written in. Uh, you may have figured this out already. This was written 2,000 years ago, the New Testament. They didn't speak English back then. We've translated it from Koine Greek. Koine just means common. What English is to the world today, like a lot of people know it, even if it's not their first language, Koine Greek was that to the first century when this was written. Like everybody spoke Greek. If they, they spoke their language and Greek, or Greek was their first language. So the Bible, at least the New Testament, was actually written in a language that a lot of people could access and understand. So when you read this original letter, Revelation, and you read it in Greek, it actually says the apocalypsis. Does that word sound or look like any other word you know? Apocalypsis? Go ahead, say it. Apocalypse. Right. This is the apocalypse of Jesus Christ. So my question would be, this is an English Bible. That Greek word's a lot like an English word we've got. Why didn't they just say the apocalypse of Jesus Christ? Why did they say the revelation when they translated it? Well, here's the reason why. Because Hollywood has attached a meaning to the word apocalypse that actually is not correct. The Greek word apocalypse, can you go back for a second on that picture? Sorry. Um, this, this is me, not... Uh, I just want to go through what Hollywood's done with this. Because the word apocalypse doesn't mean what we think it means. We, we think like, you know, White House getting blown up in Independence Day. We think zombies attacking Atlanta. We think Sharknado taking out Los Angeles. That's not what the word apocalypse means. It's what we now think of, but that's not really what it means. Here's actually what it does say. An apocalypse is a, a revelation. It is a revealing. It is disclosing something, something that was otherwise hidden. The covers have been taken off. It's unveiled, and, and there it is. You see it now. That is a revelation. So you go, well, why don't we say, why do we say revelation? Even the word revelation now is spooky, and we associate it with things like apocalypse and the end of the world, but that's, that's not really what it is. It's simply just a, a disclosure. You're being let in on something. You can write that down. In fact, there's a place in your notes if you want to write that. Apocalypse, from here forward. I know we say in English it means something like spooky or end of, end of world. It's just a disclosing, a revealing of something. Let me put it this way. Imagine you get home, and you open the front door, and you just get hit with this wonderful smell. Someone's baking. And you go in the house, and you hello? No one's home. You go in the kitchen trying to track down the source of the smell. And 
there's no one in there, but there's a note on the counter that says, uh, gone to the store, don't touch the oven. What's the first thing you're going to do? I'm going exploring. So I'm, just imagine you're saying, buttery, chocolatey. You go to the oven, and despite the note, you open it. And in my imagination, I don't know what you see there. I see a whole house pie. It's like a chocolate chip pie in all of its buttery, chocolatey goodness. You know what you had when you opened the oven door? You had an apocalypse. You had a revealing. Something that was previously unknown to you is now known to you. You may have guessed what it was. You could have kind of got the outline of it. But when you open the oven door, you see for sure what was making that smell. That's an apocalypse. That's a revelation. And that's really what revelation, actually the entire Bible is. It is a revealing of something from God to us that we couldn't have figured out on our own. We might have guessed. We might have got a few things right. But God says, let me reveal some things to you that, that you wouldn't know unless I told you. And that's a mystery being revealed. It's an apocalypse. It's a revelation. And it's what we have here in Revelation. God's giving us some insight into the things that are and the things that will be through Jesus. And it's good to look at that. Now, the thing about Revelation that we don't get because we're 2,000 years removed from when it was written is that it was written in a style called apocalyptic literature. Uh, but it was a style that was very common back then. People would have immediately got it. If they read Revelation, they wouldn't have gone like, ooh, this is spooky into the world stuff. They would have gone, oh, it's an apocalypse. It's apocalyptic literature. I'm going to get something explained to me. I'm going to understand something that I didn't understand before. There's going to be some symbolism, but I'll understand the symbols. And, and uh, it's kind of like a mystery novel. I know at the end of it all, I'm going to get it. And so that's what people would have thought when they look at this with all these symbols and everything. And so what is this a revelation of? It's a revealing or an apocalypse of something. What is it? It's a revelation of Jesus Christ. It's a revealing of it's not the end of the world. It's a revealing of his purpose and his church. And so when you look at Revelation, it's not spooky. It's, uh, it's not like, oh, man, this crazy thing and this leader and who's that. It's, it's Jesus talking to us, his church, revealing some things that we need to know. And by the way, if you want to be in the know, it's revelation singular, you know, not revelation plural. Kind of like in Tombstone. Sorry, Johnny Ringo. Oh, he's quoting the Bible. Revelations. No, it's not revelations. It's revelation. So there you go. You can keep that in mind too. This is straight from Jesus through his servant John. And who is the revelation to? The seven churches originally, as Robert read this in the scripture. It's written like in verse 11. If you're in chapter 1, if you've got your Bible there, you can already look ahead at this. John heard a loud voice which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I want this sent to the seven churches, Jesus says. Now, you go, what, what is that? These cities correspond to seven ancient cities that were in Asia Minor. We would call it Turkey. So you got Greece and you got the coast of Turkey. And Ephesus would have been the first major city on a postal route that went all the way around and ended in Laodicea. Jesus says, I want, John, I want you to write down everything that you're about to see. Send it to the seven churches in those seven cities on that mail route. Ephesus, all the way around to Laodicea. Now, it's significant that he says, that I want this sent to seven churches. Give you just an insight into Revelation. Numbers mean things. Symbols stand for something. 
Seven is a symbol of wholeness or perfection or completeness. It's like a whole set of something. So what does it mean when Jesus says, I want you to send this to seven churches? Well, first of all, literally, there were seven churches that were going to receive this letter from John. But the bigger picture of this is, I want you to send it to seven because this illustrates wholeness or completeness. In other words, I want you to know that this is a message for all the churches, not just those seven churches. So what Jesus is doing is he's giving us a clue here. Connection Christian Church in 2014, this is a revelation for you also because seven is a number of a complete set. So this is for the whole church, and that's why we're studying it. This is a message from Jesus to you today. Aren't you glad you're here? Because he's got something to say to you. Now, there's another reason right here in this text that we ought to be studying this. It's found in verse 3. Revelation 1-3, God blesses the one who reads the word of this prophecy to the church, and he blesses all who listen to its message and obey what it says, for the time is near. We ought to be studying Revelation because when we do read this and study this, it comes with a promised blessing. There's a blessing attached to it. It says there's a promise of a blessing for the people who actually read it out loud. So, Robert, you're good. You know, it's, there's a blessing for those of us who hear it, so we're all good. There's a blessing for those who hear this prophecy and obey it. So hopefully you'll take this to heart. In fact, this is the only book of the Bible that I know of that comes with a promise attached to it. The closest I think I can get is Jesus when he was preaching the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. And at the end of it, he says, look, you are so wise if you listen to my teaching and put it into practice. But Revelation explicitly says, hey, got a guarantee to you. You listen to this, read this out loud, and obey this. There is a blessing that comes with it. Having said that, I look at the experience that a lot of people have with Revelation and have had over the last 2,000 years, and it doesn't always feel like a blessing, does it? Like you were telling me, it's confusing. You don't get all of it. It's a little spooky. I think there's a few reasons why, even though Revelation says this is going to be a blessing, that sometimes we would miss out on the blessing of it. For one thing, I think we misunderstand the symbolism that's in there which I think all of us would go, yeah, I'm not sure I get it. Because you just look, there's all these crazy things in there. The early church father, Jerome, this is like over a 1,000 years ago. Jerome was, by the way, the first guy to translate the Greek Bible into Latin, which had become the, the common language. But Jerome said this, their Revelation has as many mysteries as it has words. You, know, you look at it, there's like a beast with ten horns. What in the world was that? There's like a red dragon. There are angels bowling, uh, pouring out bowls of plagues on the world. You've got the four horsemen of the apocalypse. You've got this bottomless pit, a lake of fire. You've got angels doing all these crazy things. You've got scorpion locusts, and you're like, how do I even understand this? You know, what, what does this mean? What does it mean to, to look? It's symbolism. It's not all meant to be taken literally. And the people who first heard this and read this, would have understood the symbols in a way that we just don't because we're so far removed from it. If we're not careful, we can dive too deeply into the symbols and we can get led so far astray because we just didn't understand what was actually being communicated there. And you get a meaning that maybe God didn't even intend when you're reading Revelation. So how do we navigate our way through this? Well, if you've got a map and you want to understand the map, one of the things I do is I go look at the legend. Okay, so this symbol means this on the map and this means that. Revelation actually gives us the legend early on. So let me just give you a few keys. If you're reading Revelation, some of the other symbols. I already told you seven means a complete set. Here's another symbol that you may 
find in Revelation. You got like the seven bowls, the seven trumpets. They're just not literally seven. It just means it's a complete set. The number 10, or it's multiples, like 1,000. That means a complete period of time. So you look in here, and there's a period of 1,000 years later in Revelation. Does it mean literally 1,000 years? Maybe, but probably not. It's symbolism. It could be a period of time that's maybe 900 years or 2,000 years. It's a complete period of time. It has a beginning and an end. Everything that needs to happen takes place, and that's what that means, 10 or, or 1,000. 12, or it's multiples, like 144,000. Again, doesn't always mean literally 12. This is a tip-off that you're talking about the people of God. Go back in the Bible. Where do you see 12 occur? Well, you've got the 12 tribes of Israel. Those are the people of God. Come forward to the New Testament. How many disciples did Jesus call him, call to follow him? Yes, some of you are singing the song. There were 12 disciples. So there's 12, right? 12 is the picture of the people of God. So it's a clue. When I'm talking about 12, I'm, I'm talking about God's people or 144,000, something like that. How about this one, the big one? 666. Seven is the number of completeness and wholeness. Six is not quite seven. So 666, there you go. Just the one who's not quite right. These symbols were like immediately recognizable to the first people in Laodicea or Ephesus or Smyrna or Pergamon. The first people who heard this, they're like, oh, I get that. Uh, I was thinking about something. John Ortberg, he's a pastor out in California, but several years ago he was teaching up in Chicago, and he's teaching on Revelation. And for his church, he said, let me just explain to you the symbolism this way, using for him what was current. So this was uh, around the time, 1999, 2000, and he used a sports analogy because he was living in Chicago at the time. So he says, just let me do something apocalyptic using our world. So if you were around in, in 1999, you might remember what was going on in Chicago in sports. Let me just read his apocalyptic thing here. He said, the bull, there's a clue right there, the bull which once ruled the earth for 72 months has suffered a mighty fall. For at the end of 72 months, the great right horn of the bull, whose number was 23, anybody, departed, and so did the great left horn of the bull. Then the third horn of the bull, which was pierced in many places and dressed like a woman. <laughs> who was that? That guy belongs in Revelation. <laughs> he likewise departed. Then all the beasts of the earth, the hornets and the timber wolves came in and devoured the flesh of the bull, and the glory of the mighty bull was laid low. Now, of course, what is this talking about? Basketball. But if J John Orberg puts this manuscript out there in 2000, and then 2,000 years from now, somebody comes and reads that. What are they going to think? What in the world was going on in Chicago in 2000? You've got all these wild animals eating each other, and you've got this. What, this is crazy. We get it because many of us were around for that, or at least you remember Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman and all that. And so if you are in the context or at least understand the symbols of the context, doesn't the story make much more sense? Ditto for the people who first read Revelation. They got the symbols. They understood it. And they so they go, oh, this is a message. It's code. And I get the code. I understand what he's saying. But if you don't know that, it can be really confusing. And so what you end up doing is you're under your covers with your flashlight and your notebook, making your timeline of Revelation, bringing all kinds of things there that just aren't there. So we miss the blessing because we miss the symbolism. Here's another thing we miss. We don't catch all the Old Testament references that are in 
Revelation. Okay, so just check this out. There are 404 verses in Revelation. Do you know how many times Revelation points back and refers to something in the Old Testament? Over 500 times in 404 verses. That's a lot of reference to this part of the Bible. If you don't know the first part of the Bible very well, you're just gonna, it's going to go right past you. It's kind of like reading Shakespeare. You have to read the footnotes constantly to go, oh, I just missed that. Oh, that's funny, but I didn't get it. There's things in Revelation that you understand so much better when you're deeply steeped in your Old Testament. We read this stuff and go, I just don't get it. But a Jewish person, for example, who studied the Old Testament their whole life, they're like, yeah, I get that. And we're trying to predict the future with Revelation, and it's actually pointing to something that already happened in the past. And it's saying, just like when that happened, that's what you're experiencing right now. And everybody goes, oh, I get it. Just They went through it, and they got through it, and I'll get through it too. Trying to understand Revelation without having any knowledge of the Old Testament, as one person said, is like showing up to run a marathon on that day without having trained. That's a bad idea. You're going to pull a hammy there. When you know the Old Testament, Revelation makes a whole lot more sense. Eugene Peterson, uh, he's actually the guy who created the message paraphrase of the Bible. Uh, Eugene Peterson, in his book, Reverse Thunder, said, There is nothing in the 66th book of the Bible, Revelation, that isn't already contained in the first 65 books of the Bible. It's helpful to understand that. And so if you are reading Revelation, one thing I would strongly advise you to do is get a good study Bible that has great footnotes or get a commentary or something so that it points out this is referring to this from the Old Testament. This is a quote of Isaiah or Daniel or Ezekiel or something. So you go, oh, you'll have a lot more aha moments if you do that. You know, there's another reason why we have a problem getting a blessing out of Revelation, and it is that as a book, it's just really easily abused. It's very easy for pastors and teachers to read things into this that just aren't there and then confuse everybody. No other book of the Bible has sparked more controversy, controversial teaching, predictions about the end, uh, crazy symbolism. I've heard so many theories. Just give you one example. Later, as you read through Revelation, you will find that there was a beast who came up out of the sea. In my lifetime, I have heard so much speculation about who the beast is that came up out of the sea. I'm just going to give you a few of the things that I've heard personally. You can probably add to this list if you've ever heard Revelation taught before. So the beast who came out of the sea. Uh, back when I was a kid, it was the Soviet Union. They don't exist anymore, so we moved on. The European Union. No, 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 it's the UN. Somebody else said, no, 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 it's Bill Gates and Microsoft. That's the beast who came from the sea. Somebody else taught that it was the Zionist Jews who were trying to restore Israel. Somebody said, no, it's the Roman Emperor Nero. He already came out of the sea. He did his thing. Somebody said it was Mikhail Gorbachev. You're like, some of you don't even know who he is. They said that little birthmark on his head was the mark of the beast. Did anybody else hear that? Or did I just grow up in a crazy snake handling church? Best theory I've ever heard about who the, the beast is who came out of the sea, this is from Kyle Eidelman. He said it's Justin Bieber. Justin Andrew Bieber. J-U-S-T-I-N-A-N-D-R-E-W. People? 666. Must be Justin Bieber, right? Come on, we need to remember that Revelation made sense to the first people who read it. So, if your interpretation of Revelation wouldn't have made sense to the first people who read Revelation, you probably don't have the right understanding of Revelation. 
So we don't want to abuse revelation and make it do things that it doesn't. That just takes away the blessing from it. Revelation is not a code to be cracked. It is a message from Jesus to us, his church. He's got something to say. It should be a blessing. I mean, it's a message to us, and, and there's something significant for us to gain. And I think the final reason why we ought to be studying this, and this is so compelling, it tells us something about our future destiny. It reminds us of what's to come. You go back to verse 1. This is a revelation of Jesus Christ to show his servants, you underline this, what must soon take place. Well, what is it that will soon take place? Look down at verse 7. He tells us. He says in verse 7, look, he's coming with the clouds. Everyone will see him, even the ones who stuck a sword through him. All people on earth will weep because of him. Yes, it will happen. Amen. Jesus is coming back. That's our destiny. Some people will weep with joy. Some people will weep with sorrow, with fear. And the whole message of Revelation is he is coming back. This is in your future. Just as he came once, he will be coming back again. And this is a heads up to the church. Come on, he's coming. I appreciate a little heads up notice, don't you? Yeah, if you, you like your boss to say, remember we got that annual inspection next Friday, make sure your area is good to go. I appreciate when the nurse says you're going to feel a little stick before she actually does it. You know, don't you appreciate when your teacher or your professor says, just remember that project is due Friday? It was in the syllabus, but I'm going to tell you one more time. Maybe, uh, maybe your cable company calls you and says your, your service is going to be out from 1 to 5 for upgrades or as it's between now 1 and next Tuesday or whatever it actually comes up being. I appreciate a heads up. And Revelation is a heads up from Jesus to his church. I am coming back, so be ready. This was written 2,000 years ago to seven real churches. And in fact, it was meant to be distributed to all the churches so that we would remember in the face of whatever is going on in your life, Jesus is coming back. And you need to be ready for that. I, I don't know what it was, and I've speculated about this. What was it in the mind and the heart of God that he said, there are already 26 writings out there circulating that will become the New Testament. But I think my people need one more word. Before we close this thing off with 27 writings that will become the New Testament, they need one more revelation, one more apocalypse, one more word from me. What was going on in the world that made him do this? This revelation is the last thing in the New, the New Testament was written. There's Not only is it the last book, it was the last thing written. It was written almost 60 years after Jesus had died, rose again, and gone back to heaven. What was going on? When you understand what was happening in the Roman Empire at that time, Revelation makes a whole lot more sense. These churches in Asia Minor were experiencing one of two things. Some of them were suffering. There was a lot of intense persecution starting to fire up, driven a lot towards people who believed in Jesus. And there are people who are being thrown into prison. There are people who are being killed because they claim the name of Christ. And Jesus says, I need to just give them one more word. Hang in there. Some of those churches, and we're going to get into them in the next few weeks as we look through the seven churches because Jesus has a message to each one of those seven churches. Some of those churches weren't facing persecution at all. You know why? They blended in with their culture so well, no one even knew or suspected they were Christians. They, weren't stag they were stagnating. They weren't suffering. And Jesus heads up to them as, I'm coming. Are you ready? 
you better clean house because I'm coming soon. Be ready. You need to know this, church. This is 2,000 years later. And I know that the churches who first received this letter thought Jesus could come any day. Jesus could come today. There should always be a sense of expectation. We have no idea how much time we have left. And Jesus is coming back, and everyone will weep. And the question is, will you weep for joy? Finally. Or will you weep out of fear and terror? Here's the thing that we have an opportunity to do with this. This is such a, a blessing to be able to study Revelation, and I hope you walk away from this study realizing that, because this is a word from Jesus for us that we need. Are we together as a church doing what he put us here to do? Connection Christian Church, to reach out to people, to connect people to God and each other through Jesus. Is he going to come and find us doing what he set us here to do in this place in this time? He's coming back. And if he's coming and you are suffering, just hold on to that, that, that he knows what you're going through and he's, he's got a word for you. And if you feel like your life has gone off the rails and gone off track and you don't even know how you got where you're at, the message that Jesus would have for you is just repent. Come back. It's not too late. Come back. I'd like to invite you to stand, and I want to pray with you. Father, thank you for this revelation, this revealing of something we would never have known or figured out on our own. Thank you that you have taken the time to communicate with us and love us and show us how to live. Father, I just pray for us together, first of all, as a church, that we would just be so committed to the mission you've given us that, that no one can stop your church. And I pray for every soul that's represented here, every person who made it here to church today, the people who were excited and the people who just drug themselves here. Father, whatever's going on, I pray that you would work in and among us. Help us to know what the next right thing to do is for each of us and help us to have the courage to do that. I'm just so thankful for what you're doing in my life, my family's life, this church's life. Please continue to do that, and I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So a friend of mine, Bill Hushauer, he said, I'm going to write a book about Revelation, Revelation in three sentences. Here it is. Ready? God wins. Satan loses. Pick a side. Right? This is your chance. You know, we offer an invitation every week. If you need to pick a side, why don't you come talk to me after service, and I'll be happy to put you with somebody who can coach you and counsel you, show you the scripture about how you do that.